0: Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, everyone. Hello. Episode 86. Here we are.
1: 14 away from We're 100. getting
0: so close. And Ed's ready. He brought all the water.
1: I brought water. And you notice this has a timetable on it. My wife gave me this water bottle. And I, I think it was hers. Or she stole it. But I don't think so. Uh, and she, it's got times when I'm supposed to drink, and as you can see, I'm significantly... I was going to say, you're late. You are late.
0: So for those of you not seeing this, it has marks on the water bottle that tell him when he's supposed to be drinking and how much he's supposed to drink. Which
1: also shows how little this bottle knows me Cause I'm only supposed to drink that much in an hour. That's one drink for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so a, as it stands, what time is it? Right, two o'clock. You're still at well, eight a.m. I've
1: drank one bottle full already.
0: Oh, so this is bottle two. This is bottle two. So oh, I see. It's it's two different refill. sets of times. Sets of times. Yeah. Sets of times. Yeah. I see that. Okay, so you are close. I'm close. If I'm you get there about, a little three... ahead. Oh, okay, I was I was critical of you. I'm we're sorry. We're at two. It's two something.
1: Two seventeen. So
0: you got to be here by three o'clock, right there. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. Y'all watch the bottle and y'all know how long it took us to get this. Oh, on.
0: <laughs> I guarantee you, we'll hear it because you'll be gulping into the microphone. True. So Ed's gonna be drinking water. Y'all ignore yep. him. So Ed's hydrated.
1: I'm, I'm staying hydrated. Um,
0: we're so days. glad. All right.
1: I having some allergy medicine that really drives me out.
0: Mm. Allergy season for you?
1: It's terrible. Allergy season for me is called life in Georgia. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much year yeah. round. Mm.
0: How are you, Nathan? I'm doing good. You good? I'm doing good. Everybody at home good? Yeah, everybody Got at home everybody was. well.
2: Yeah, we uh we were quarantined. This is the last day of my wife's quarantine. Nice. And so she is happy to be done. Of course, at this point, that's all that's all done with by the time everyone sees this. So. Yeah.
0: So everybody, we're all, we're all weeks ago now. Yeah, oh, been a
2: long 20, time for you guys. So yeah, this is the last day for her. She's ready to get out of the house. So. Producer
1: okay. Joel just got back from seeing his family. Yes, he's yeah. so happy. He, is in Ohio, happy. he had they a big old as smile as 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 on him. his face. Yep, were, yeah. we asked all about his family. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't stop talking about it.
0: Like everything with <laughs> just Joel, filling everyone in on everything we did
2: up to this point in today. How much water Ed is drinking. Every conversation we've had. I I had a uh, tomato sandwich for lunch. So, wow, that, that's old go. school.
0: Is that old school? <laughs> it Well, it was in my house. Oh, I have gosh. tomato sandwiches all the time, Jason. I, I don't eat them. I don't
2: oh, oh I no, I like tomatoes. I
1: love tomato sandwiches. I put tomatoes,
2: <laughs> got fresh jalapenos from my uh, garden, mm-hmm. put a little bit in that That'd in there, and uh, some pickles on there. I some had pickles. Bojangles for lunch,
1: if anybody oh. cares. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right.
0: <laughs> the audience right now is like, Jason, please rein them in. Get em, stop them. <laughs>
1: all right, let's get on Do to the discussion. like a good bow
0: round. (laughs) Let's get on to this discussion for today. Ed actually and I, uh, he brought this idea to me and I thought, you know, this would be a good podcast discussion, which we think might take several episodes. We'll see. We'll Well, see. This might be a series. But we think it will be... Super helpful from a lot of people, all right? Ed, would you like to introduce the discussion? Yeah,
1: I, uh, I've known this author for a little while. I have, I read another of his books a few years ago. His name's Dan Kimball. This is his book that has most recently come out, and I heard him talk about it on a podcast earlier this year. Um, Dan's a professor at Western Seminary. He also is a pastor at a local church. I don't know that he's, he still teaches there, but I don't think he's the pastor anymore. But the the book is called How Not to Read the Bible. Such a good title. It it is a great, it's a, you know, provocative. Yeah. How Not to Read the Bible. And then the subtitle is Making Sense of the Anti-Woman, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy-Sounding Parts of the Bible. That's awesome. There you go.
0: Uh, I, I have yet to. I heard this, the interview you told me about, or the, the interview you just talked about, and I also wanted to get the book. But now
1: that you've bought it, I'm going to wait. Okay. <laughs>
0: but and, I am going to read that.
1: So I don't know how you want me to go into that. But, uh, you know, one of the the one of the reasons I got it is because when I heard him talk, I realized, oh, you know, he's on the West Coast. So I often think they are significantly far ahead of us in pro post-Christian mm. living. Mm. But I've come to realize that uh, we aren't as far behind as people in the Bible Belt would want to say because a okay. lot of the conversations that he was having, uh, I have had. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm. not as often as he has to have them, but I do have them. And uh, what the on the back of the book it says, is reading the Bible the fastest way to lose your faith? Mm. And the truth is, I can think of young people in our church uh, you know, having been somewhere 30 years. Uh, I can think of young people in our church that wound up going to school to study the Bible and studying the Bible caused them to not be Christian anymore. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Uh, True. And now... Some of that had to do with, I'm sure, the way they study the Bible, which is what this book is about. about. And I'm afraid that I see it too often in people in our church that the same things are happening to people who aren't professionally trying to study the Bible. Mm -hmm. They're just occasionally hearing the Bible, or somebody brings up something in the Bible, or they see something on social media. And uh, it either becomes, the Bible becomes something they stay away from Mm -hmm. because they don't Understand enough of how to do it, mm-hmm. and they want us to teach them about it. Mm-hmm. But then they don't really know this gift that God's given us in the Scripture, or it becomes something that they really do damage to themselves and others by using. Mm. Yeah.
0: So to start off this discussion, let's uh, we we picked out one phrase that I think we want to hang on for this this discussion that he brings up in this uh, in this book. And that phrase was, the way not to read the Bible is you cannot read one
1: verse. What he says, the way he says it is, never read a Bible verse. Never read a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. That, which is a really good way to think about it. If you want to just get that in your head, mm-hmm. you should never read a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So let's unpack that. What does he mean when he says, never read a Bible verse?
1: So do you want me to tell you what he means or yeah. wh- when you fir- why don't y'all first tell me what you re- how you react to it when you hear that?
2: I mean, I, I I agree with it, but I also have a lot of context for it. So yeah, I me think, too. I I, I yeah. kind of know where he's headed. Yeah, I think I know where he's headed as well. So I, I mean, I agree with the concept of never reading a single Bible verse in isolation. If that's what if that's what we mean, why don't you say what he why don't you say what that, he means? And then we'll, that's we'll really take it from what there.
1: he gets to, because inevitably most of the memes, like one of the memes he starts the book off with, and maybe some of you all have seen this. I had not seen this particular one, but the meme was that somebody. Had had sent him and it's a picture of a cat on the back of a unicorn nice. and the heading like it. of it is unicorns are mentioned nine times in the Bible, cats are mentioned zero times, and that's all you need to know <laughs> about the Bible.
0: Now, see, I think that is is a is a, a compliment to the
1: Bible. <laughs> <laughs> to, to certain of no, people, maybe. I, that's, sh- that's shocking for me to see. I know for most of your time I've known you, you have owned a giant feline. I have. And that, I mean, that don't mean- A belly-dragging-the-floor <laughs> feline. Yeah. That,
0: that doesn't mean they're holy in any way.
1: But <laughs> well, that doesn't mean that it gives validity to Scripture. So, I know you also are now a dog owner. I am, and I like the dog much better. Okay. Well, so, you know the cat lived I'm in your house a long, long, long time. I've always been a dog
0: guy at heart. So, But anyway, anyway, back to the point. So
1: the reason they came to that, of course, is people are taking Bible verses, mm-hmm. and you're just taking Bible verses, and they're reading Bible verses. Now, that's the worst way to do it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, there are well-meaning people mm-hmm. that take Bible verses and they do the same kind of violence to what the Scripture means by just mm-hmm. taking a verse and making it mean something that is good to them. It just isn't what the Bible was saying.
0: Like, for instance, if we just had this conversation, uh, and, I, and I've heard this for years. People say, well, every day you should sit down and you should read a, at least a verse from the Bible, and then what you should do with that verse is decide or listen and see what god is saying to you right through that verse mm-hmm. now on its face that sounds really really good yeah mm-hmm. why is it not good
2: i think why it's not good is you've, <laughs> you've you've missed the point of what the uh the of what scripture is supposed to do in you um And so when you take just a verse out by itself, and even if you're reading them one at a time, um, which I guess is the way you would have to read it any time you read it, but even if you're just reading one at a time and I'm trying to pull off something from that for myself, um, I'm really isolating something that was supposed to be this narrative... Um, about God and God's interaction with people, and I even I would even take his point even further. I even think individual stories, sure, out of context miss the point. I was having this conversation with my wife the other day. We were talking about something, and something with our girls. And we somehow got on Solomon, King Solomon. And I said, you know, the way I was always taught, and I, I had both growing up in church, but then also the, uh, the kind of homeschool I was was from a Christian private school educated. The books were, and so we often had Bible stories that were taught in our education. And often the way that the story of Solomon was taught to me was <laughs> Solomon was a great man because of his wisdom. And that's the point of the story is you should be wise like Solomon. But that is the opposite of the point of the story of Solomon, which is, Solomon asks for wisdom. God gives him wisdom. It doesn't matter how wise you are. Solomon still blows everything up. And the whole point of the story, Solomon is the wisest person who ever lived. David was a man after God's own heart, and David couldn't get it right. David blows up everything. He blows up his marriage. He blows up his kids. He blows up everything. And the point is to look at these characters, and I heard someone just recently say this, nearly all of the stories, if not all of the stories in the Old Testament, are intentionally true. Tragedies. Even the heroes mm-hmm. of faith are to point to and they still weren't the Messiah. Hmm. David, with all of his, you know, with all of his courage and all of his faith and all of this, he still murdered someone, took advantage of a woman. He was he did not protect his children and he allowed, you know, this whole no. thing gets blown up. But we often take those stories, and I take like an individual story, and I say the point of the story of David is I'm supposed to go out and conquer giants, <laughs> or the point of the story of Solomon is I should be wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that you can't take those things and do that. But I was gonna say it doesn't mean don't be wise. No, but that's, that's, that's not the point goodness, of the that's story. Not the point of that
1: story. It's that's not right. the point of the
2: story that everything... It's not the
1: overall point that God is making through including no. those in the Bible.
2: No. Well, and it's, it ultimately is, if everything in the Bible points us to Jesus, every story, mm-hmm. everything is read in the context of this overall
0: story about Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing that I've, I've become keenly aware of over the past, especially as someone who tries to stand up and teach people the Bible on a regular basis, is I've, I've often heard people will take, for instance, I'll use your example, taking the story of David... David kills Goliath and then they use that as an allegory for how we have giants in our lives right and therefore if we do what David did and in, in symbol we will conquer the giants that God has before us um, on on its face that lesson is not a bad lesson right it That's is something right. that was probably very encouraging it's probably sure. it probably at its heart is is true but <laughs> That story about David killing a, a giant, if we only make it about that, we have completely missed the reason for including it in, in God's Word. That's right. And so I, I've tried, like, like the, one of us maybe have said this before, but you know, the Bible is not about you. Right, nor written, nor to written you. to you. It was written for you. You can you you can have it and yeah. use it.
1: <laughs> I certainly think the Bible we have is the Bible that God intended us yeah, to have. Absolutely, I, sure. I think the way it's written is the book we are intended to have to help us follow Jesus. Mm. But we have to remember it is not written to our culture. Yeah, and and the even the verses. They're added way, way, way oh, later. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I have been, uh, <laughs> this year I have finally bought, I've been looking for one for a long time, a Bible that does not have the verse and chapter markings. Wow. And uh, mm. I intentionally had to go out of my way to go buy it. And I have found that I enjoy reading it so much more <laughs> because I haven't got anybody else's headings attached yeah. to it. I don't have anybody else's Bible verses. I'm just reading the words. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost, and I don't do this anymore because I don't want. Uh, frankly, I don't want to put in the work when you were forced <laughs> to read in Greek. Yeah. You know, there. Yeah. You know, all of that's not in there. But I don't want to do the work to have right. to. read. No, I mean, that's just that's honest. Hard. Yeah. To have to read that way. I, I did I that know.
0: once in Bible college. <laughs> exactly. I'm
1: I just don't need to do that, but. So I think the heart of what Dan's getting at in that is you need to start at the point of view of, I need to just accept, and I'm not saying, nor are any of us saying, you started with the question, we were all told to read the Bible, look yeah. for something. At least that's the way. When I first became a Christian, yeah. I, 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 growing up, I went to church all the time. But no one taught me how to study the Bible. Yeah. Right. That's honest, honestly the truth. And I don't think we have done a great job of that, it, it, sure. uh, teaching people how to read the Bible. Uh, so what people said to me when I became a Christian as an adult is, you should read some every day. Uh, I can remember hearing Rick Warren is the guy that I started uh, listening to that said, read a passage until you come to something that you feel like mm-hmm. you need to do or you need to correct, or and mm. then that's enough. Just read until you come to that point. If it's one verse, it's one verses. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to realize in that time is, often if I was honest, I could read a long time and go, "Yeah, there ain't nothing here." Yeah. yeah. I mean, if that's the honest truth. Especially if you're in the front part. Right. <laughs> well, honestly, you, yeah. you know, there are parts where I just read narrative and I yeah, go, that's right. Well, that's what, and that's mm-hmm. what happened. That's what happened. Yes. And does that tell me to do something? Well, I can create some mm-hmm. lesson out of it if I need to do that, mm-hmm. but that's not what the thing was. I didn't get that somehow. Yeah. And honestly, that's not what the Bible was intended for. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I don't want to encourage, I don't want to discourage anybody by hearing this and say, hey, stop reading your Bible. I don't no, want you to, I don't no. want you to hear that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's okay for you when you wake up in the morning, and if you have a habit, which you should, of having regular intake of the scripture, for you read a chapter and you get to the end of it and you go, okay. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. taken in some of God's word. There was no personal ooey-gooey feeling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was no personal condemnation of stuff going on in my life. There was nothing I needed to do. Sometimes those things will definitely happen. Sure. Yeah. But if you try to force them to happen by taking a verse or two, because what will eventually happen, and this happened to me, is you will start just... Reading the same stuff over, where you get those, there'll be passages you really like and you'll focus on them.
0: Or you turn faith in God into mm-hmm. this exercise in feeling the ooey gooey stuff that you just described. Right. And then over time, it, as it does, when it does not happen for a long period of time, you start to doubt that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then that that leads to what you just talked about. Yep. Of somebody's like, well, oh, maybe maybe this isn't real, and maybe I've lost my faith or whatever. Well,
2: and I think I think, and I don't want to step on anything because I know we've said that we're going to probably take some other stuff from this book. So I may be getting too far into other stuff, and we can just stop if that's if that's where I'm if if I'm getting into anything like that. But I think when you get to what Ed said about getting the getting it into you—that's really the goal—is that the scriptures are a way for me to interpret the world around me. I just had this conversation with somebody, and maybe you listen to our podcast and you know, but we were having a back and forth conversation. They were talking about the reliability of the scriptures, and they were talking about is that what your faith is in? I said, well, that that helps my faith, and they said. Jesus, you know, that Jesus rising from the dead is the center point. They said, well, where do you get that? Is that from the reliability scripture? Is that from history? I said, all of that is part of it. I also cannot deny that I've had personal experiences with Jesus and they said, well, maybe that, but that's too subjective because that's all this. And I said, but all of that is part of this. Mm -hmm. And what the scriptures do for me is they become a way to interpret my life, that I have had these experiences that yes, they could just be subjective. But then when I read in scripture that those are normative for people who interact with God, that they feel God leading them towards love and gentleness and humility. And so when I have an experience like that, I then look back at the scriptures and I go, oh, that's always where it's leading me. Even in the case, and because I don't want to get too far off as if it was just anecdotal. Even with the case like someone like Solomon or David and I read these stories and if the point of the story is for me to understand, David was a great man and Solomon was a great man. My goal in life is not to become a great man. It is to become humble and obedient to Christ. That wisdom is not going to produce a great life for me and that power and wealth and success like David had is not going to do it. Or Saul, who's the king before them. Like the whole point of these lines of kings is even the ones that are the good ones are flawed human beings that when they take a step outside of the loving path that God has set for them, that's when failure comes in. And when I take those, and when that becomes the interpretive lens, because I think all of us have this at some point where there's a thing in my mind where I go, this feels like, the the wise thing to do, and it it feels in my head, but it does seem to contradict something that God says. This path, it makes sense. I know if I do this, it's going to work out the way I want it to, but I go, but God says to be gentle and not to force my way, Mm -hmm. that the times in my life where I've blown things up. Now, am I just going to get that from a single Bible verse? No, but if through a lifetime, through a lifetime of ingesting the word of God over and over again that it forms me, I go, I already know where the wisdom of the world leads because Mm -hmm. that Solomon was wise in the eyes of the world and it led to this thing or whatever, you know, all these different things. Mm -hmm. That's about getting it into me. And like you said, there may be days where I don't get anything other than I read Solomon had nine hundred wives, and okay, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I got from today. But it becomes a pattern and a way of
0: interpreting the world. Uh, like for example, my, the thought you just brought to my head is the more that I have spent ingesting and internalizing the Sermon on the Mount, right? right that Jesus gave us, which was his basic teaching. That's yes. it in a nutshell. And I have been able to take each and every portion of that teaching and test it out in real life. Yep. And every time it comes back and I go, yep, he was right. That is the best way to live. Mm -hmm. Yep. He was right on that. That is the best way to live. And the more I have, and it it has formed me, like you said, it has interpreted life around me in such a way that I I come to know in ways that apologetics or uh, all the stuff that you said Mm -hmm. often bolsters our faith, which I'm I'm a big apologetics guy. I love that world. I enjoy that, the reliability of scripture. It's why I enjoy books like this. I do too. But- when it came right down to it it was the it was the living out of what Jesus said when he said you know there's a wise man who builds his house on a foundation that right. will not fall and when i started to learn what that meant and put that into practice and and he was proven right and i feel it every and i feel it every day
1: yeah that's right
0: in a moment by moment sometimes experience then the scriptures start to really not just become true, but true in me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah.
1: So you know, I a part of what I wanted to get out of this, just read don't read just a verse. Yeah. Don't read a Bible. Never read a Bible verse. Is the idea is you have to make your life about reading the you do need to read the Bible. Yeah. You do need to. Yes. But you need to read broadly. And you don't need to read for looking, one, for rules. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, because ultimately, you don't need to be, you know, I've been told a lot of times it's the, you know, the roadmap for your life. Well, it's pretty incomplete. (laughs) Yeah. But it is, I would say this, and this this is probably a bad analogy as well, it is sort of the way to drive in the world. It may not be the exact roadmap, but if you get it deep enough into you, you don't really have to know all the the turns in that, but you'll know how to navigate what's happening Mm -hmm. in your life Mm -hmm. if you don't just look for, I did this, or I didn't do that, or I did this, or I didn't do that, and I'm I'm clean on here, and I'm clean on that. I, I watch people in our church that I deeply care about posting things are asking questions to friends on Facebook or other places and they're looking to find out if they technically got something right even though the outcome didn't produce and I want to say okay I can't I can't say that you, you, what you did was technically a sin but it wasn't very loving mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know and so ultimately like in the sermon on the mount you mentioned Jesus wasn't saying you shouldn't murder was was a bad law, and I got to make that stronger. <laughs> he was saying that's like the base level, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just because you didn't kill nobody, how are you going to deal with your anger? Yes. Mm-hmm. And. You know, as a guy who struggled with anger for most of my life, really until the last decade or so, it was a driving force in my life in so many ways, I've come to realize it, that for Jesus deals with anger a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah? Well, that's the first thing you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Very...
1: If you don't get it dealt with pretty quickly, I mean, murder, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he goes to hate, and yeah. all of this is how we... Take the motivations of our life and try to control people with anger is just my me trying to get my will done yep. in the mm. world. Oh yeah, and if I don't deal with that, not much else Jesus asked me to do is going to get done. Yeah, I'm going to continue to try to control people. I'm going to worry when it doesn't happen the way I want it to. Situations won't go the way I want to. I try to force people into doing things. You know, all of that kind of stuff.
2: Well, and it gets at it gets at the problem which the Sermon on the Mount is dealing with and really a lot of the teachings in the Bible are getting to, which is it's forming in me the character of Christ as opposed to giving me rules to follow. But it becomes very easy to just look at things as if they are rules to follow. Um, I was thinking this because I just, I said, they're they're Jason's words. We were filming something for a message, but I was was the person performing it for the online service. But you talk at one point about uh, anger and you talk about how it's forming something. It's doing, even though, murder has maybe more physical consequences in the world because I'm doing it to another person. It still does damage to me and my view of this other person to hold it in me. Mm-hmm. And it's because ultimately at our core, what Jesus is trying to create in us, I mean, and this is this is the simple part, but when we make it sometimes so simple, we, we miss all the implications. Jesus is trying to form us into people who can love God and love people. And what we – so that's the simple part of it. But where it gets not necessarily complicated, but you have to work it out is anger in me is me not loving you because it is me dehumanizing you. Yep into an object that either needs to be destroyed or removed from my path or to be manipulated to get me what I want, it is impossible for me to love you and control you or to love you and want to defeat you. Right. It is it is impossible for me to not go, I want serve you, even if what you're doing is wrong, serving you does not mean I help you in the wrong thing you're doing. It may mean that I have to put, and I, this isn't a message you're, you've written for the Sermon on the Mount, I may have to put consequences in your life. I may have to put boundaries. That's not me trying to control me. That, that is me trying to help you. Like a parent would do to a child, when I am putting boundaries and consequences in my child's life, it's not because ultimately I want to control them. Ultimately, I want them to become adults who will willingly choose you know, to do the
1: thing because the truth is when they're little you can completely control yes them. i mean yeah. yes you can control them
2: but i do damage to them right if i control in ways i shouldn't control that's right because i am taking control of their there are times we have that conversation a lot with our daughters to the point one of them said it the other day of uh we often say to them your body is yours to control Other people can't do things to your, which is a really important thing to teach. Other people Mm -hmm. can't do things to your body if you're not that way. But we've had to say to them before, when you're not in control of your body or using it, I may have to control your body and put you in a timeout or put you in a place that you don't want to be because, and everyone knows this, if you don't use your body properly, someone is going to come in and take control of your body.
1: (laughs) It's like, uh, I've heard Andy Stanley use the illustration with one of his sons. His son would say to him, do I have to do this? And he said, eventually, I said to him, no, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do anything. And eventually our society has a place for people who don't want yes. to do what they yeah. don't have to do. That's right. We restrict them mm-hmm. for other people's safety. That's right. So right. if you don't want to do it and be in control of yourself, yes. we will restrict you. <laughs>
2: and all of that, I think, so that's a yeah. really broad way to say it. But it that, gets, that gets back to even with the scriptures, when you take individual verses maybe out of the Old Testament and they look like commands and you see these things, you go, well, it's in there, so I got to do this yeah. thing when I don't understand it in the context of this is a greater story and God's leading us to someone where maybe this command, the general idea of it is something God wants written on my heart because it helps me to love this person next to me and I'm not held into it. Even with Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, gouge out your eye if it causes you to sin. (laughs) If I look at that as an individual verse and I go in and I read it and I say, Jesus says if my eye causes me to sin, I need to gouge it out. Well, that seems pretty cut and dry Mm -hmm. and I don't see any Christians going around gouging out their eyes. Well,
1: you know, when I first moved to Coweta County, I remember, it couldn't have been after I'd been here five years or so, there was an article in the paper, where a young man who'd been going to church mm. was struggling with lust, mm. and he poked his eye out. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so yeah. there are some Christians <laughs> that are going around poking their eyes. I take it back, I have been corrected, now, but
2: we know that's
0: not what Jesus means. No. Well, no, no smart Person, well, and he, you know, he had
1: he had other issues.
0: Sure, sure, sure yeah. we get that. Uh, you reminded me of a, a video I just saw it. I, I guess it went viral. Maybe I don't know who all saw it, but there's a guy on a beach somewhere in California, maybe somewhere, and he's super uber Christian guy, and he and he got filmed standing in front of these girls who were you know lying on the beach, and he's just berating them for the way that they're dressed, mm. and calling them out, and you know condemning them using Bible verses sure. of how they should be modest and everything and what's so interesting is the girl's sitting there filming him and listening to him and she says, so you're offended by the way that I'm dressed, and and you don't want to see my body. He says, "Yeah, I shouldn't have to look at that." And she says, "Aren't you supposed to gouge your eye out if that's the problem?" Mm. And you could just see it on the guy. Yeah. He she used scripture back at him in a wrong way, right? But in the way that he was using, well, it. he same, was using
1: the same, same way, yeah. Which
0: also goes, and I do think this is where we,
2: we miss certain things. You, your it's sermon on the mount as well. Jesus says, "If judge not, lest you be judged." In the same measure you judge, you will be judged, we often think that this is solely about what God's doing to us. And he's saying, that's a law of the way the universe works. Yes. If you want to misuse scripture against other people, you then can't call her out for misusing scripture against no. you. You have judged her through a wrong interpretation of scripture. She is now using the same cup against you.
1: So, and I'll, I, you know, you were talking about taking verses out of, for out of the old Testament that I think one of the biggest ones that gets taken out in a New Testament kind of way, are the verses that people have taken to be about going to heaven when you die? Right. If you do this, you will do this. Hmm. And we know that if you study that in the overall context, Jesus is talking about if you if you want to follow me, mm-hmm. if you want to put your trust in me, if you want if you want to do life the way I'm calling you to do it, then you will attain a quality of life that will. That death itself can't end, Right, that it'll go on forever. But people have made it into, well, here's the law. If you confess, and if you do this, and if you do this, and if you do this, then God is bound to do this. You got him. Well, yeah. and
2: it produces in us. And, and once again... Which,
1: what kind of God is it that can be bound? Well,
2: exactly. I was going <laughs> to say, and we talk about that. And I know sometimes it feels when we have these kind of, like they're semantics, but it does produce. I remember I had a friend who grew up with that understanding because that was understanding I also had growing up of that's what these verses mean is that it's about where I go when I die. And he, he would jokingly either say something really offensive and ugly that would be sinful and then go... Sorry, I'm forgiven. It's all good. And then keep going. And it was this intentional mockery of grace. And he was doing it uh, in a way of mocking those of us who believed it. And I remember at the time, I was very much like, I don't know what to say about that because that is the way it worked. Like it was very much this loophole of a God's like, oh man they said the magic word. How did they figure out the magic word? Like I want to, I want to demolish people. I, God, want to destroy people. Jesus occasionally steps in the way from my laser gun to destroy everybody and oh, mm, there's Jesus, that rapscallion (laughs) because that's what I want to do. What I want to do is destroy everybody and it's this weird, like you said, it's a misunderstanding of the nature of God. Well,
1: because we read a Bible verse. Yes. We there you we go. decided to read a Bible verse and make it into something that's not intended to be.
0: Yep. So, um we are going to continue having this conversation um over the next at least a week. We can do at least one more. I think so. Uh maybe for sure. several and for those of you this is kind of you know, you're know, you wondering where they're going to go. We're going to get a little bit more specific yeah. about some ways that we have seen and heard people reading the Bible and that he talks about in this book mm-hmm. and how are better ways to frame that. So you guys keep coming back for the next week or so. We'll see how long this goes until we get... Tired, tired of, of doing it, it talking? Are you yeah. all
1: ask us questions? Please stop. If you ask us a question, that yes. w- we will definitely answer your questions.
0: In fact, uh, next week I do have a question on deck that it does apply to how we read the Bible. So okay. We're yes. gonna, so
1: we'll answer we're that gonna one. We're going to tackle that one. We will, we will interrupt what we're doing to mm-hmm. answer your questions. Absolutely. We will always do that.
0: Absolutely. Or, and if it has to do with this. It yeah, 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 Further the yeah. discussion. Absolutely. So, sure. All right. So you guys keep coming back. We will have this discussion over the next few weeks. So that's it for today. See you next week.